All right, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians. This is part two. We're going to be starting in verse 10. But let's uh, pray before we start. Lord, we thank you for this time we can spend in your word. Lord, I pray you would convey the truths to our hearts tonight that you desire to convey to us, Lord. We thank you for your word. It, it, it is a lamp unto our feet. Lord, we come to it meekly, or in meekness, Lord, and uh, we just trust you, God, to speak to us tonight and to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm going to start here in verse 10, and basically Paul is continuing with the whole thought of, hey, we're just servants who have been called and, and given grace by God to share and to do the will of God. So that's what he means when he says here in verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me. I don't know if you guys remember when we went through Romans 12, we talked about that, and I'll read that in a minute. So he says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. In other words, Paul was the planter of that church. He's the one that initially brought the gospel there. So I have laid the foundation. Another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. And remember, he said that in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, a little further up. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So I'm going to read uh, Romans 12 because I want this to expand out to us, the church. Because Romans 12 kind of expands it out. So we're not just thinking, oh yeah, that's for a minister. Which that is what Paul's talking about himself. But it also applies to us. So that's what I want to make sure we understand as we're going through this. This is about the whole body. We've all been given grace, and that's really what Romans 12 hits on. In, in verse 3, Romans 12, it says, For I say, through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according, here it is, to the grace given to us, let us use them. So I, I wanted to read that for that purpose. So we've all been given. We've all been called. We've all been given a measure of grace for what? to use for God's purpose, right? For his purpose, for his glory, inside the body and outside of the body. He's given each of us a measure of grace. For Paul, again, he planted, established a church, Sarah Corinth, and others came behind him. But then with it is a warning in that same verse. Take heed how you build on it. Let each take heed how he builds on it. Therefore, um, Let's be careful not to build it in the wisdom of man or with the philosophies of this world or our fancies, however you want to put it. Let's be very careful. Or traditions. Whatever else might come into the mind of man that's not 
the mind of God or the wisdom that comes from above, which obviously Paul is dealing with in the first few chapters. That would be different, anything that would be different than what the apostles who were the chief builders. In other words, the sound doctrine, the gospel, the message of the course, the foundation that was laid by the apostles. Be very careful how you build on that. Um, so here it is, that foundation, verse 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And it's, I kind of was thinking about this today as I was going over this. It's like, man, Lord, you spent a lot of time on this whole idea of not getting our eyes on man, not getting our focus on a place or a person, but keeping it about Christ and being very, very careful that we don't intermingle the thinking of man or the wisdom of this world or philosophies, um, but to keep the pure, unadulterated message of the cross at its core, at the center of everything we do. I mean, he's like really driving this home. So this is important. This is important for us as a body. Really, it's important for a minister to make sure that he keeps his focus on this. I just, it was just real to me today as I was doing that, uh, looking at this. So there's a lot of places in Scripture we read about Christ being that chief cornerstone or the foundation of the building. We have some builders in this room, and uh, I'm sure they could tell us that that's probably the most important part of the building, right? Uh, if that's not right, everything else uh, is faulty, and eventually it's all going to come crashing down. So this is important. But uh, it speaks about in Isaiah 28 when it's prophesying about Jesus in verse 16. It says, Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Jesus said in Matthew 24, I'm sorry, 21, verse 42, Have you never read this in the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then in Acts 4, uh, the, the apostles proclaimed in verse 10, Let it be known to you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone that was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Ephesians 2, verse 18 says, for through him, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and far, uh, foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, 
having been built on the foundation of the apostles, of the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I'm reading all these scriptures so we understand why this is so important. That Jesus remains foundational. The message of the cross remounts, remains foundational because if the church isn't built around that, it's going to be faulty. It's not going to stand. It's not going to glorify God. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19 says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So that foundation. 1 Peter 2, verse 4, says, Coming to him as to a living stone, indeed rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. So Paul, again in these verses, is turning our attention to what is the most important thing, what we should keep our focus on. Um, not man, but the gospel and on Jesus Christ. Because he is foundational to the building, which we'll see is us. It's the church. The meaning is that no true church can be reared which does not embrace, hold to the doctrines that center on Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The message of the cross and everything that entails. So, the divine nature. He is the Son of God, right? His instructions, everything Jesus has spoken, that's all that's going to matter in the end. And what did we do with what Jesus said? His example, right? Learn of me, follow me, have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. His atonement, only the blood of Christ can atone for our sins. We cannot work for our salvation. It has to be foundational. It's by grace you have been saved. The message of the cross. So his atonement, his resurrection, he conquered death. He is who he claimed to be. His ascension, he's at the right hand of the Father. All authority has been given to him. And because he went to be with the Father, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. His return, our living hope, our expectancy, our watchfulness, our purpose while we're here is all centered on him and living for him and the hope that we have in him. Amen? Christ and him crucified. Don't get away from that. We should be leading people to no other rock except Christ. So not lighthouse on the rock, or whatever you want. <laughs> Jesus. We should be pointing people to Jesus. So our work 
is to set forth Christ in all of his fullness, to represent him in all of his offices as a glorious object, the thing we should all be seeking. And like Paul said, remember, that their faith shouldn't be in us or man, but in God. So everything we do should be pointing to Jesus. Paul actually rebuked the Galatians because they had turned from the foundation he had laid. So this is just an example. Uh, in Galatians 1, verse 6, Paul says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. What happened is uh, people had come in that were basically saying, you got to keep the law. You still have to keep the law. And Paul says, what are you doing? Which There are some who trouble you. They want to pervert the, the gospel of Christ. But even if we are, or an angel from heaven preaches any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. It's a serious matter. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches another gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. This is so important. And um, this will help us, or anyone really, walk in their convictions. If you walk in the fear of God and in the reality that my goal is to please God and to honor Him not to please man or not to exalt man. It's to exalt God. And um, that's, I, I thought about that where Paul says, in fear and trembling. I came to you in fear and trembling. That's real to me. Like, Lord, help me. Help me to rightly divide your word. Lord, help me. I don't want to misrepresent you. There's a fear and trembling that comes with that, that we represent him correctly. And we don't preach another gospel. We stay faithful to the gospel, which really, if you think about it in our day, is really um, suffering and being watered down. Um, so it can go both ways and get into a works thing like it did in, in, uh, in the book of Galatians. But um, it also can go the way of Jude, where he's dealing with another aspect where he says in Jude, verse 3, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have creeped in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord and our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, turning the grace of God into licentiousness, making the grace and mercy of God a covering for crimes, a covering for sin, trampling on the grace of God. And we see that happening in our day, a watering down of the gospel. So he goes on in verse 12 now. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. 
For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it was. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. So basically, it's giving us two scenarios here. Those that are holding to the truth, those that aren't compromising, that are staying faithful. So the picture is um, they're building with gold, silver, precious stones. In other words, they're holding fast to the pure, pure truths of the gospel. They're holding to nothing but the truth as it is in Jesus and nothing else. It's again the picture I just share with you about when I came to you, I came in fear and trembling, rightly dividing the word of truth, not using the world's philosophies, wisdom, right, but relying on the Spirit and the power of God without any corrupt mis uh, mixtures, without adding or diminishing the message of the cross. Then the others, they build with wood, with hay, with stubble. In other words, they depart in some ways from the mind of Christ in many ways. They substitute maybe their own fancies, their own opinions, or maybe some philosophies from this world. Now, the scenario here is it's not like blatant false teachers that are going to be judged and uh, they're not going to be saved by fire. This is more he's dealing with, you know, just not being true, not sticking to the, the core truths of the gospel, kind of watering it down a little, not totally off, but still not giving a pure, unadulterated gospel. There's still a warning for that. Um, I mean, false teachers, I mean, they will be judged. I mean, my, it's fear and trembling uh, what awaits them. So it's talking about judgment. They're going to be judged. Fire, just like fire judges, right? So let's be careful, us, let's listen, let's, take, let's be careful of our own natural tendencies. And I'll just use one example, um, you know, of church discipline, which Paul will deal with later. Our natural, my natural tendency would be, oh, man, uh, that just seems, uh, would God do that? I don't know. Maybe, maybe we don't have to go that far. I mean, maybe that's not what he really meant, you know, and, and so we could change that a little bit. We could modify it a little bit. I mean, we'll deal with it, but man, that's a little extreme. And a lot of churches do that. And they'll answer for that. Um, is it something that will damn them? I don't think so, but that's, that's not for me to judge. God's going to judge that. But that's why we got to be careful of our own inclinations. I call it humanistic mercy. It's a mercy that's not based on what the Bible teaches us. Because really, sometimes in the Bible, mercy looks cruel. But it's still mercy. But it doesn't line up with our way of seeing things. 
because God sees things differently. He, he sees long-term where we tend to see short-term and the now. We want to rush in. We, oh, it's okay, whatever. And God knows what people need to help them come to their senses, to help them um, have what he's wanting to give to them. It's, mercy is always giving the person what they need, not what they want. We tend to want to give them what they want. You know, because we want to be liked, we, whatever. You know, we have to guard ourselves. We have to be very careful so we won't be judged. So then he speaks to us as individual stewards of this in verse 16. And it applies to us individually and applies to us as a church when he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So when he says that, he's really speaking to them as a church. He's saying, you are the temple of God. The, te the, the Spirit of God dwells in you individually. And when two or three gather in my name, I'm there in the midst. So where God is there in a place, that's his temple. Just like in the Old Testament. But now it dwells within us. So when we gather as a body, we are the temple. And the temple is holy. Key. It's holy. So all believers, genuine believers, have the Spirit of God. And so where he is, he's there. And then he says, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. In other words, if anybody, by his doctrines, by his teachings, pursues a course that tends to destroy the church rather than build it up, God will severely punish him. Well, how does that happen? False doctrine, unchristlike uh, behavior and attitudes, personal unholiness, failing to take our place in the church and coming under the head and using the grace that he's given to each one of us. There's many, many different aspects of that. And, you know, when we think about that, it should be a healthy concern for all of us, especially for ministers, by the way, um, but all who are members of his body. Um, and we see it, don't we, in the early church, in the book of Acts? You think they considered the temple, the church, holy, especially with how God dealt with them? He was teaching them that my temple is holy, I must, you, you know, I, I need to, uh, must be feared before all men. It even says people were afraid to join the church because they, they understood God's in that place. God's with those people. The, the, this is no joke. Two people were killed in service last week because they lied to the Holy Spirit. God was establishing something. I must be regarded as holy. For the temple of God is holy, and it needs to be regarded as such. So, to avoid offense, injury, failure, we need 
the wisdom that comes from above. And so that's where he goes now in verse 18. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They're futile. Don't look to the wisdom of this world. Don't rely on the natural reasoning mind and and the philosophies, the teachings. You know, really what they were prone to do, especially these Gentiles, right? They were into it, philosophies and learning and knowledge that comes from the world. And he's warned, be careful. Better to become a fool. And we know what that means. We'll see in a minute here. In other words, we need a lot of humility. We need to know how to humble ourselves. We need a lot of grace. Uh, Proverbs 3, 7 says, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Don't be led away from the truth and the simplicity of the gospel. By pretenders, by eloquence, by a show of deep learning, by a flourishing of words, by great orators or philosophers, teachings that are based on the wisdom of this world. Oh yeah, and they especially added a lot of their own interpretations of what that would look like. Um, laying, Jesus said about them, you lay things on people and you don't keep it yourself. Yeah, there was a lot of traditions. Um, absolutely, yes, that was definitely included. But you know, he's dealing with Gentiles here, so it's more what they were dealing with, this higher knowledge, philosophy, they were into that, you know. Um, it's all the same. Yeah, that's right. It just manifests itself differently. That's right. Um, that's what he's dealing with in Galatians, basically. The Judaizers, you know, you got to keep the law. And you got to do this, 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 and that. No, that's not the wisdom from, uh, and it causes division because it's from the mind of man. Um, so don't be led away from the truth, the simplicity of the gospel. Um, again, I put here, that was the cause for all the division and issues Paul is dealing with here. 1 Corinthians 2, right? He said in verse 12, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. We need the mind of the Spirit. Therefore, verse 21, don't boast in men. For all things are yours. 
whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. No Christian should glory in man. But yet, we do. It's just in us to do that, to put man on a pedestal or to fall into sects or groups or parties. Again, this is Paul's dealing with this over and over and over again. He said, don't do that. No matter who had been their teacher on earth, all belonged to God. They had a common interest. They should rise above their petty rival ships of the world. They should rejoice in the assurance that all things belong to them in Christ. And they were His. We're His servants, just as He was a servant of God. We are His servants. And that's all Paul and Apollos and Cephas were. That's all they were. That's all we'll ever be. So we need to keep Christ at the center. We need to keep the message of the cross at the center. We need to make our boasting in Christ. We need to be pointing people to Christ. I'm going to read this again in Romans 12 to finish here. Um, and I'm reading this again because even though some of this, a lot of it is speaking to teachers, he's speaking to them. And I want it to be real to all of us that we're all called to walk in this. We're all called to let our lives, the grace that God has given to us, um, to let God use the grace to, to, to operate in the giftings, in the callings he's given to us. But to remember, to be careful not to fall into the trap of allowing our own thinking or trying to use the philosophies or teachings or whatever else we might think we want to incorporate into our calling to glorify Christ and to proclaim the message of the cross and to proclaim the gospel. We need to guard our hearts and we need to make sure that our lives are lived in such a way, like Paul said, that however we're ministering, however we're representing Christ, that people's faith wouldn't be in us, it'd be in Christ. Because God's power and spirit are being manifested through our lives. So I'm going to read Romans 12 again, verse 3. I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly. Just remember 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 of who he calls, right? But to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that has been given to us, let us use them. 
Again, we've all been given a measure of grace. That's how we started tonight. For what? To use for God's purposes. For His glory. Inside and outside of the body. So let's make it about Christ. Let's, let's us be careful from allowing that spirit in here where we would exalt other things, whether it's people, whatever, teachings, and get away from the simplicity of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and the pure, unadulterated gospel. We keep that at the core. We're building on a sure foundation, and it's going to stand. So let's strive together, as Paul says, for the gospel's sake, in that way, making sure we keep Christ at the center of everything. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you repeat things that you want to make sure we understand. And Paul doesn't mind spending a few chapters here really on the same thought. Because, Lord, you're trying to teach us something as your body. It's something in us that we just so easily gravitate and we get away from the things that are most important. And I pray you'll help us, Lord. I pray you'll guard our hearts. I pray you'll help us to walk in humility. I pray you'll help us to be good stewards of the grace you've given to us, of the measure of faith, Lord, of the giftings, of the callings in our lives, Lord, so that as a minister, as your body, Lord, um, as, as we yield ourselves to you, Lord, as we operate in our gifts, in our callings, Lord, that everything we do, not just as individuals, but as a body, would point people to Jesus Christ and Him crucified, Lord, that we would present a gospel that isn't tainted with philosophies of this world, that isn't watered down, Lord, that isn't um, added to, but Lord, the, the, the gospel that saved us, Lord, the gospel that continues to work in us, the power of God to those of us who are being saved. Lord, help us as your people to proclaim that gospel and to keep you at the center, Lord, of everything that we do. Guard our hearts from this spirit that entered in to this church, Lord, which really is in all of us, like I said. But Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that we can learn from your word, Lord, and, and from the example of Paul and these other believers, God. Help us, Lord, to honor you, especially in this hour we are living. Help us, Lord, to hold fast, as Jude said, uh, to, the, the, to contend for the faith that was once given to us, Lord that you might be glorified in this hour, that people would be drawn to you, Lord. So we thank you, God, and we trust you to have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.